0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Investor's Diary podcast, where we help you work smarter and harder by providing weekly market updates and insights. The last week was quite exciting, so if you haven't checked out our podcast from the previous week or the five-minute snippets that we did discussing the collapse of the Terra ecosystem and the soaring energy prices in Australia, I highly recommend you take five minutes out of your day and listen to them. But moving on to today's topic and today's episode, we'll be building on what we discussed in our longer form podcast last week about the potential upcoming recession and discuss why we as a collective on this podcast believe that a recession, if it were to take place, would not be as catastrophic as people may think. So first, let's discuss the three possible scenarios for what the economy could look like in the future. The first scenario that the economy has a soft landing. This would include the Federal Reserve and other central banks like the RBA succeeding in bringing inflation under control quicker than what we anticipate today. And they don't have to raise interest rates as far and as many times as we currently anticipate. So while growth would slow down, it would never dip into recession. Now, the second scenario would be a actual recession. The Fed's tightening squeezes the life out of the economy And it does bring inflation under control. But as a result, the rates don't rise as much as feared. And instead, the central banks have to yet again start easing. And this just causes that normal, typical recessionary process. And lastly, stagflation. This scenario would include the inflation continuously rising despite the central banks' best efforts. And this would also mean that interest rates also keep rising, So a combination of rising inflation with higher rates and high unemployment would destroy demand and just cause the economy to submerge. So given the declining Chinese economy, coupled with geopolitical tensions surrounding Ukraine, the scenario for a soft landing as discussed seems very unlikely in my opinion. And given the recent sell-off in equity markets, there's also been a growing concern around surrounding an outright recession.
1: I, I do agree with you. I think that a soft landing is highly unlikely because of there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. Even if the Feds or the RBA are able to curb inflation to some degree at an effective rate, it does not guarantee that the market or investors would see the same in the future of each market. As we see, there's You know, there's a decreasing futures expectations in the stock market. And there are others, a factor that could potentially jeopardize this soft landing scenario.
0: Well, talking about the other factors, if you look at Chinese data and the recent shutdowns due to COVID, data suggests that the Chinese economy is actually contracting. Mm -hmm. And an actively contracting Chinese economy means that it's deflationary for the rest of the world, which makes the likelihood of a recession more likely than either soft landing or stagflation.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. However, we before I just give a stagflation definition and just go through with the stagflation uh, arguments, I just want to provide a definition, which stagflation, like you already mentioned, is a period of high inflation, high unemployment, slow to negative real economic growth. And in the history of the humankind, there is two period in history that economists have unanimously deemed stagflation. That is, two period in the 1970s, 1974 to 1975 and 1978 to 1982. And the cause of stagflation essentially is mutually agreed upon to be supply shock and monetary policy. And... Each stagflation, as I've mentioned in the 70s, has been preceded by an oil supply shock. But does it really mean we are going through a stagflation in the near future? I would like to uh, answer this question by uh, analyzing a study case or what we've learned from previous uh, stagflation that it is not necessarily the case and there is time delay with stagflation and that is the cause of many stagflation in the 1970s. So, firstly, um, stagflation in the 1970s is associated with oil price shock, and um, that really r- didn't go down really well, and uh, yeah, the Feds had to really curve everything, and uh, let's start with uh, what occurred out before the stagflation in 1970s. So, at the time, the Feds' uh, rate, or cash rate, was uh, declining, which... Uh, eventually led to a declining unemployment rate as well and a rising economic growth in 1972. And because of this growth, it subsequently or inevitably led to a rising rate of inflation in 1973. And however, the story didn't end there, obviously. Um, the FETs, uh reversed its policy and increased uh, Fed's funds rate in 1973, which led to increasing unemployment rate, Uh, during the stagflation period and slowed down economic growth. And, of course, um, because of the unique lack response of uh, stagflation, the FEDs uh, immediately um, responded, or, I mean, excuse me, the economy responded to the lack, uh, responded to the monetary policy of the past period. So, hence, a stagflation. So, essentially saying that the FEDs increase and decrease interest rates too quickly and that caused stagflation because they didn't allow the economy enough time to adjust and respond. According to a uh, previous uh, analysis of stagflation, it takes about two years for uh, uh, interest rates and uh, for, to respond to the market as well as it takes uh, shocking three years for inflation to respond to the interest rates that is being set out today. So in retrospect, uh, if the Fed or the RBA decides that they would increase uh, interest rates right now, or cash rate, that would mean in three years' time, we would fully see the full effect of this interest rate in the economy. So this lag is essentially misconceptualized back in the 1970s, leading to a very um, irrelevant uh, response or you could say a double response when the market hasn't adjusted to the initial um, hike in uh, rate. And as we can see uh, today, uh, the Feds, or RBA has learned from the mistake, I hope, from the 1970s, and then it would allow, uh, as planned by the Feds, they would, I guess, target funds rate to be around. Uh, 0.25 to 0.50 and it plans to increase that to about 2.8 percent throughout the 2023 and raising uh, funds rate by what amounts to 2.5 percent in a two years period is not a lot given the current level of inflation in australia and i guess one of the lesson is that when inflation is high the rate hike needs to be high and persistent and it needs to continue on into the future to be able uh for the feds to be able to see the result of the inflation uh going down
0: well i I agree with those points kimse so we have agreed on the fact that the likelihood of a soft landing is unlikely
1: yes, similarly, stagflation will also be very unlikely because um Like I mentioned, FEDs and RBA are more aware of the situation and they know and they must know that it takes time for the economy to adjust. And that's just it's like a ripple effect. It starts off with the FEDs or the RBA increasing interest rates, but immediately it will not be felt by a lot of the businesses and firms, even though there are expectations in the future. But it takes time for the whole economy to just trickle down and feel the full wrath and effect of that rate hike. And we will have to wait and see until mid to end 2023 to see if this rate hike will be effective enough or whether a more severe and higher hike is necessary in the future.
0: Okay, so given that soft landing, not going to happen. Stagflation, unlikely. But we also know that inflation this high cannot persist forever. Yes. And given the historic data that we have, We have observed that it often takes recession to break inflation. Thus, given the high inflation and tight labor market that currently exists, we, or at least I should say I, believe that an upcoming recession is the most likely scenario. So Kim, would you agree with that opinion?
1: Uh, Yes, I do agree with you. I think an inflation is inevitable and it's on its way. However, not this year. In my opinion, I think it will be in full effect mid-2023,
0: Fair enough. Well, talking about a recession, when when you hear the word recession, it carries a typical negative connotation with it.
1: Yes, a negative connotation usually from uh, a recovery period kind of thing. But I do think we have to be careful, like you mentioned,
0: not to call it
1: transitory or recovery.
0: Exactly. So I would like to present a strong opinion here. And I would also like to hear your thoughts and what you think about it. The potential recession that we're likely to face in the upcoming months or years, will not be as bad as people anticipate, especially compared to the previous recessions in 2001 or in 2008. And that is my argument.
1: I have nothing to uh, disagree with that. I do think that the world economy is more equipped than it was back in 2007, 2008, and back in the early 2000s with the dot-com uh, bubble crash because of the level of savings that we have and also the responsiveness of the RBA in order to curb inflation in Australia as well as the awareness that the uh, Feds are capable of in curbing this inflation. And uh, let's just look at a bit of a statistic. Um, uh, right in front of me is a list of countries with... a. Uh, with their jobless, rest, jobless rate, which is basically the unemployment rate. And I see that the United States hover below that 4%, which is at 3.6%. And countries like Japan at 2.6%, United Kingdom at 3.8%. All these advanced economies, they are experiencing some form of inflation, but their unemployment rate is very, very stable.
0: Agreed. That was a great metric to point out there. So the current concern regarding inflation is that it's already being baked into wages. And people continue to expect prices of normal goods to rise.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's self-explanatory. We're going through a period of supply shock, especially in commodity, oil.
0: Exactly. So once these wages and expectations keep increasing and inflation and everything gathers momentum, it kind of becomes like a spiral and it starts to become out of control. So it's probable that this continued hike in interest rates by the Fed will lower the inflation for sure. But it will, as you said, it will take time to go into full effect and the inflation will likely remain well above their target 2% and will probably hover around 5 to 6% even after one, two, maybe even after three years uh, yeah, of the I, implemented rates.
1: I think 2024 would be... a a good timeline for when we would begin to see um, the effect of this current uh, rate hike on the economy. So that is when the economy starts to tone down a bit. Inflation rate is not that high. However, it's still at above uh, what we want it to be, which is that what you mentioned, 5 uh, to
0: 6%. Well, say that the inflation does persist in 2024 and is at 5 to 6%. That's still significantly higher than what we need. And in that case... The Fed will have to consider increasing the interest rates or the federal funds rates way beyond neutral, which could lead to rising unemployment, which currently does not exist. But if that was the case, if they were to raise rates even further, Mm -hmm. it could uh, lead to rising unemployment and then trigger a further recession. Now, raising rates too much and too late is exactly what caused recession in the 20th century, as you mentioned and talked about the studies. Another research from Michael Bordeaux and Mickey Levy economists argued that the Fed caused or were the reasons why most of the recessions actually occurred in the 20th century, and it was because of their lack of understanding of the timing and when they implemented these rates, which aligns with what you presented earlier in this podcast. So, however, while there are several parallels that are similar to that of the 20th century, there's one difference, which we covered earlier, and that is the unemployment rate. While in previous recessions, the unemployment rate skyrocketed, for the time being, almost all economies have a pretty low unemployment rate, and the Fed seems determined not to do anything that will increase unemployment, at least not in a direct manner.
1: Yeah, I think we've observed from, I think we're both, I guess, old enough to know when the GFC happened, global financial crisis happened, that people were losing jobs, they were um, not getting paid and, you know, their mortgage was being, uh, I guess, lost and they couldn't take out loans and these are the th- things that make the current I guess recession indicators different from the one in 20, uh, 2007 is because people are more financially knowledgeable about the economy and how it works and uh, this inflation, in fact, happened right after COVID, which to many, we should not uh, directly address, uh, point out that COVID is the cause of this recession, but it has something to do with COVID. And governments around the world has been trying to do a rate hike in the case of any inflation. They, and they have been pretty successful because they have plans on further um, increasing or further um Increasing that hike uh, persistently, which is what is lacking back in the 1970s, that persistency in increasing interest rates.
0: So, well, let's assume that the Fed is somehow able to time their rates correctly, which I believe they have not. I believe they were very late yes. in starting to hike their interest rates. And they're still going to be late and probably time the existing upcoming meetings. But there are still reasons to believe that a recession today or tomorrow will not be as bad as the one in 2001 or the one in 2008. Well, job, uh, and the reason is, well, job losses often come as firms pull back on their investment and their hiring. And firms usually lead into recessions riding high with tons of investment and tons of inventories. And once the typical recession hits, they cut back on spending and then they run down those inventories. But this, this time it's different. Inventories for firms are already low and so is investment. So the tight labor market isn't coming from overinvestment or a buildup of inventories. It's coming from genuine hires. And, and also
1: the fact that there are lockdowns in some country like China, yeah, which also, you know, there's a shortage of people actually
0: working. And unlike in 2008... Households now have actual savings. Their balance sheets are much better than they were in 2008. People are the normal average individual, or they're not over levered and have many more savings in the bank account. And the reason why the 2008 global financial crisis was so bad was because these households were overextended. It took years, and I mean years, (laughs) for their balance sheets to recover and for consumers to even reach their normal state of spending. So now that these state and local governments still have leftover money from the pandemic, they can keep spending money to to reboot the economy once the recession arrives, if it does. While we're on
1: the topic of savings, I would just like to put up a bit of numbers out there. And let's start with China, because China is the second biggest economy and largest economy in terms of uh, PPP, purchasing, purchasing power parity, for now, um, China has a saving rate of 44.9%, which is high for global standards, and it was a significant factor in uh, China's economic growth. And that is why I think that even if there is a recession, those savings rate would offset the effect of the recession. And because China is a big economy, if China is not going to feel the full wrath of the recession... And that means it trickles down to other companies that are do other countries that are doing business with China trading with China, which means um recession would typically be at a lesser extent than what we would expect at you know theoretically
0: well, if you're also deviating from the u s and looking at other economies, I think it's worthwhile to look at Australia as we are residing in this country and also mention the fact that the likelihood of a recession occurring in Australia is also extremely minimal because the projected GDP growth rate, while decreasing over the next two years, is still in the positive, which is contrasting to the US in recent GDP growth numbers, which was negative. And another quarter of contracting GDP growth for the United States economy would imply a technical recession.
1: recession. Yep. And for Australia, I've been noticing this, like, uh, observation I've been making is... Uh, The fact that unemployment is basically at its all-time, not all-time low, but is at a level that we want it to be, which is hovering above and uh, below 4%. And Australia is having a labor shortage problem. I think you've noticed that too, right? Yeah. People are, um, or firms or businesses are trying to hire, but they are not able to do so. They are working at half capacity. I've seen hotels. I've seen um, restaurants working at half capacity. And this is because of, uh, I guess, unique to Australia, lockdowns and quarantine and stuff like that. That, I guess, uh, limits people's ability to work. Also, the, uh, the rate of people taking in jobs is very low as well because Poster goes out about a job available. However, there's no one just to sign up for that job like so i don't think unemployment would be that much of a concern in australia
0: i must say that i was quite surprised to see the rba hike rates before the key political elections so i'm glad to see that they're taking steps and trying to avoid political debate coming in the way of controlling the inflationary pressures in the economy and while I believe that Australia will not suffer from inflation as much as the US will in general, I believe it will occur that if a mild recession was to take place in the US, we would see unemployment rise in the US, but we may also see a mild increase in unemployment in Australia and other first world economies.
1: I do think that the unemployment, uh, responsiveness of unemployment would be a bit of a delay because people are going back to work and filling up those jobs and uh, the RBA, uh, the Feds just raised their hike like a few months ago so it would take time for businesses to pass on that cost to their consumers
0: And what sucks the most, even though there might be only be a mild recession will be that people would lose their jobs and the stock market and the crypto market and other on-risk assets would fall even further and No matter how mild or extreme the recession is, typically, or if not always, recessions hurt low-income people the most.
1: Yes, because a larger proportion of their income or their income in general is being dissipated by all those inflations. And their wages is not growing fast enough to meet with that inflation rate.
0: And they are also the most likely individuals to lose their jobs and have essentially no savings, living to paycheck to paycheck. So once that paycheck is gone... They're essentially on the street. Yep. So recessions do always have a human cost, unfortunately. However, it may be some small comfort to you that a mild recession today means you can avoid a very bad recession in the future.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I do agree with that because of... I guess that's the nature of the business cycle, right? You go from recession to inflation to recession to inflation. So if you're able to, I guess, just um, armor yourself against the current inflation right now or recession, it would mean the next period that comes after this period, you'll see a less impact of the same economic hardship that we're going through right now. You're taking off the load of uh, inflations or recession that, potentially could happen in the future, but you're also experiencing it right now instead.
0: And recessions are the time where bad companies go under and some real development and innovative ideas come to life. So while it may be short-term discomfort, given our opinion on the upcoming recession, I believe in the longer term, the economy and the world in general will come back stronger through a recovery period.
1: And that's a wrap for episode 17 of the Investor's Diary podcast. Today, we laid out possible scenarios for the future of the world economy, including soft landing, recession, or even a stagflation. Collectively, we argued that recession will likely to occur, but to a lesser extent than previously encountered economic recession.
0: Keep on a lookout for our five-minute snippets coming up later this week where Kimse and I will pick a topic individually and give you our brief thoughts on the matter.
1: Thank you for tuning in with yet another video or, I guess, episode of The Investor's Diary. Peace.
0: Thank you.